Talk about fuckable. Talk about fuckable. What? And then, and the That's, FBI, of it's course. It's too good. It's too good of an ending. Too, it's, it's too, you can't write. I mean, you know, it's uh, just too good. It's just too good. History. I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. History. I'd like to Glad to have you back, friends. This episode is such a blast. In addition to the pleasure of discussing mega-hilf John Dillinger, my guest is one of my very best friends, Minneapolis-based singer-songwriter Kat Perkins. Kat was visiting Los Angeles, staying with me for a few days. And as we record, we are a few drinks deep. It's late at night after my daughter has gone to sleep and we're sitting at my kitchen table. I hope you have as much fun listening as we had recording. Uh, Additionally, it is indeed Kat's voice that you hear in my theme music. We discuss it, when and how she composed it, at the end of this episode before we sign off. So thanks again for listening. And right now, just sit back, relax, pull up your chair next to us and enjoy this hilf of John Dillinger. Welcome, my guest, Kat Perkins. Hi, everyone. Oh, my God. Now, I should, full disclosure, you know, not all my guests are close personal friends. Some people I stalk on Twitter and I beg, please, please come sit and let me just throw up sex all over you. But in this instance, girl, you're a BFF, you're bestie. You were my wedding. Yes, girl. Mm. We got, we got stories. We've got stories nobody ever knows talk about. about history. I'd like, I mean, you're like, talk about history. I'd like to fuck. And then there's my <laughs> fuck history. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. friend knows. History you may need to know about our guest, Kat Perkins. She was a top five finalist of The Voice season six. Adam Levine. Team Adam. Tell me, tell me, Kat. <laughs> between you and me. Yeah. Did you fuck Adam Levine? No. God, I mean, uh, come so on. Bad. Really? Did you want to? <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of women would say, yeah, of course. I mean, right? I'm one of those. Yes. Sure. But Because um, like when he picked you, like you're, you picked him, you you definitely like threw your legs around. Yeah, place. I did. If you watch the moment, I did a bear hug. I think that's what we call that. Bear hug with your legs I too, though. bear that's hugged like, oh, Adam Levine. Not a lot okay. of people have that story. He seemed down. He's down for that for <laughs> sure. And I also love his wife and I am friends mm. with his wife, which is fantastic it's good it's she's important fantastic. to say that when it's, you're on the you have to i mean um, and he and he super nice and you went really far in top five yeah. and holy hannah yeah. an amazing vocalist uh songwriter yeah. performer you are also an actor uh Oof. we met doing Oof. tony and tina's wedding in That's minneapolis minnesota a big word actor, at rocky but horror picture yes. show yeah, you know, dabbling in acting. Sure, but listen, <laughs> if the acting requires badass singing, done and there you go. Done. I can definitely you are, deliver. You're on a that. public speaker. Yes, you're a teacher. Yes, you run a summer camp. I do. Tell us about your summer camp. Okay, so education and music mm-hmm. are like my top two. If you make the list of passions, it's education and music. It's probably music and then education. Um, and I try to combine them mm-hmm. anywhere I go, and um, I've been successfully doing that for the past five years ish and I run a a music camp for kids in the badlands of North Dakota in the Theodore Roosevelt National Park amazing gorgeous one of my favorite places 
in the Badlands of North Dakota, which a lot of people don't know about. You think of North Dakota, you think Fargo, you think flat, you think Ugh. The Badlands is not that way. It's basically Montana, basically um, the verge of beauty of where it kind of opens up into the Rockies. <laughs> that's how, that's how I've often been described. Like, it's in the verge of beauty. The verge of beauty. <laughs> yeah. It's its own beautiful place. And I have fostered music and education in this place for the last five years. Finally got to do it again this last year in person with a bunch of music students, a lot of talented young ladies and gentlemen from the Midwest and all over. We had six states represented in my camp this year. Um, the year before that, we had nine crazy states represented. So and just, they're high kicking. They're learning yeah. the business. You're like you're yeah. giving them the skills the and skills, also the business savvy, the voice and the lessons, connections. the business. I try to give them everything I wanted growing up as a you know creative, as a diff, a girl who felt different, as a uh, adolescent who felt like I had something that I didn't know was good or bad. It just felt different, and sometimes that was gr- not great. Sometimes it felt really great. So I just give them everything that I can at ages 12 to 18. Amazing. How do you find your camp? Go to uh, catperkins.com. Everything I do, catperkins.com. So easy. If you know my name, you can find it. Mm -hmm. You also uh, are prolific in the USO, and you have been overseas to perform for our troops a gazillion times. You've been to uh, Afghanistan. Uh, uh, Yep, Afghanistan, Iraq. I I did the entire country of Iraq. I did 15 dates in Iraq for our men and women over there. Mm. Uh, It was something I was very passionate passionate about from like the get-go as being a singer because I'm always thinking about giving back. And my cousin, who I'm very close to, like a sister, she served in the military, and I knew that I needed to find a way to get over there and perform and do my music and and just, you know, give back in a way of, like, bringing a piece of home every now and then to our men and women over there, especially over the holidays, any sort of holiday. We've done them all at this point. I just finished my 11th tour, but it's been a, it's been a few years at this point, 18, 19 months, and we can't wait to go back. We're slotted to go back very soon, so we're hoping that that happens because we love to bring our music and just a little piece of joy to our men and women. Yeah. Now bring us up to speed. What yes. is happening right now for you? Right now? <laughs> just doing what feels good, and that's doing music, spreading joy, um, you know, being the pioneer of positivity and rebuilding our lives. As a motivational speaker, I used to talk about being fearless. I still do talk about that. But fearless has taken on a very new meaning after the pandemic, during the pandemic. And so I've I've shifted my story a little bit to fit what I think everyone's going through and trying to inspire them to find balance, keep moving forward and be fearless in a different way than I used to talk about it. Today's health, the subject that Kat has assigned me, yes, um, is John Dillinger and the 1930s gangsters. So let me ask you this: What, when you think about this history, and you imagine, what do you think of when these things come to mind? With this story, it's very, um, it's very cinematic, honestly. In, in a real life sort of way. Reading things about it, it makes you think of a movie. But this stuff, my friends, is real. Mm. The gangster era is real and mm. very, I think, super fuckable in oh, my head. Oh, yes. I could not agree with you more. 
before. And so much of what you said is really going to factor into this story. Yeah, I love it. And cinematic and, yeah. and movie. So let me start, uh, friends and listeners, with telling you just a little bit about the research that I've done. Because as you know, I go hard. No I pun go, intended. I go pun intended. Hard. I go face <laughs> first into this history. So first of all, I watch some documentaries. If any of you go and Google on your streaming service, uh, John Dillinger, good golly, <laughs> you got. I mean, it, he's uh, not. We're not. Cat and I are not the first people to have recognized the fuckability of Mr. John Dillinger. Yes. People are very interested. So there's a bunch out there. I recommend. There's actually one Rod Sterling mm. of uh, Twilight Zone fame. Oh, the, that Rod Sterling did a documentary. Uh, a short documentary about John Dillinger Love. in the 1960s, late 50s, Ooh. 60s. He narrates it. They do really cool reenactment. It's great. And at the end, he has like commentary about like, a man goes to jail <laughs> and comes out our greatest criminal. Perhaps our prisons need to be reformed. And you're like, Rod, get him. Um, there's also, if you if you go deep and you know follow the, the several pages down in these documentaries, you'll find some really beautiful, like late 90s, Indiana local television documentaries. Oh, fantastic. You know, where Roger from Channel 4 goes down there for some anniversary and he wears a fedora <laughs> and he takes you down to like John Dillinger's house. But it's fascinating because you really see a lot of the original location. So that was some of what I did. Love. I read a book. I'm holding this book in my hand like a Southern Baptist preacher to my friend Kat. Like she's, she's, she's cowering like this I'm about great. to smack her over the head with it. The book that I recommend the most is called Public Enemies by Brian Burrow. It is really, it was written in 2007 and it's definitely the most current, most complete history of this time that we have because Love. there's been prior to this book, plenty of beautiful, great, thorough documentaries on the FBI, Bonnie and Clyde, John Dillinger, Babyface Nelson, these various criminals that, that doc, that populated the 1930s. Yes. But n prior to this book, no one had really made a comprehensive history looking at all of them under the umbrella of this era, combined with, in this time, right before this book was written, a gazillion FBI files were released. So he could Love. corroborate what had been rumor. He can get dialogue. It reads like a novel because it's uh, wiretaps. So you have real Ooh. dialogue. You Ooh, know, and amazing. so it, it, it really, really, really fun to read. And 600 pages. <laughs> and... Uh, I should disclose. I was a gangster mall for a history gangster tour of downtown St. Paul, where I took busloads of people to many of the locations I'm going to talk to you about, wild dressed in fishnets. With a and it's why I'm saying I talk like this, and I wore a wig, and it was very fun. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. I've been on the tour. It's, a great it's amazing. Now, you mentioned um, movies, how cinematic this is. Yeah. One of the reasons why this time period is so cinematic is because film got sound in 1927. Yes. And movies were, and newsreels with sound were the thing. So this is one of those really interesting crossroads in history where it's a push-me-pull-you question. The gangsters themselves were motivated to emulate the gangsters they were seeing on TV and in the movies and in the newspapers. And the TV and movies and newspapers really tried to capture the real gangsters. So you've got this very interesting two-way mirror of like image multiplied, multiplied, yes. multiplied. Manhattan melodrama is a movie that came out in 1933 and it starred uh, Clark Gable as a very handsome cleft chinned gangster. Okay, I like it. I'm in. And um and it and it factors heavily into our story. I watched it. Um it's good. I recommend it. Great. Actually. Um but it one of those where it's uh, a life imitating art imitating art imitating yes. life kind of thing. I also listened I've been immersing myself in the music Ethel Waters. Stormy weather. Oh, yes. I got, I got rhythm. I got music. I got.
got my man who could ask for anything more. I got Daisy. So just to you know, get so just to get everything. Look All at right. that, getting so your music into it. So we have our guest, Cat Perkins, is introduced. My credibility and resources have been laid bare. <laughs> Let's fuck. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So this time, now you and I again, we're not the only ones who have realized that the 1930s gangster era was cool. If you want to throw a theme party for your office, your sorority, your name it, you've got toga. You've got yeah. flappers, gangster. I mean, this is in your top five. It's still, if you want to get drunk with your friends and have an awesome time where your pictures are going to look great, for it's the last still in. 90 years, it's been these fuckable motherfuckers with yeah. their fedoras and their suits and, and their the girls and, and the, the fringe and, the, and, and the, the feathers and the thing and the fishnets. Mm. So, who are these? Yeah. Beautiful. Who well started dressed. and ended it? We've always had ba- bandits and fuckable gangsters in America. Sure. It's been as long as arguably the first people that came here were these awful fuckable bandits, right? And we had the bank robbers and Jesse James and the shootout. I mean, this is like, th- that part isn't new. But where we get to the 30s gangsters is that for the most part, they are the bootleggers of the, of the 1920s. Um, prohibition in the United States was passed in 1919 in, incidentally, St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, weird. Volstead. Thanks. We don't have time to get into all of Prohibition, but we passed Prohibition in 1919, and um, that makes illegal. Now, this is very specific what it makes illegal. To distribute, distill, or purchase alcohol, it was never illegal to be intoxicated, hmm. and it was never illegal to drink. Okay, That is what we call an American-sized loophole. <laughs> that is an American-sized like, loophole, we, also that one part. that I really like. And we can absolutely <laughs> correct. And so, um, one of the, many things happen uh, because of prohibition, and people stopping drinking is not one of them. <laughs> okay, right. People get really good at making their own in the bathtub, which seemed to actually be fine. The government we call was this creativity, creativity in my world. <laughs> necessity, breeding, creative, exactly. And the government, for the most part, actually didn't care. If you were making booze in your house and getting drunk, that was actually probably fine. Your neighbors could rat you out if they didn't like you for some other reason, but it probably didn't matter. Right. It was when you started putting it in several gallon tanks, smuggling it in your car and making a profit and selling, and then you know, funding speakeasies, which were the illegal bars where people gather to drink the alcohol, because getting drunk is part of it. Getting drunk with your friends is the other part of it. So they had to get somewhere to gather. So these illegal bars called speakeasies because there was a code word to get in. So you, you know, tap on the door and say, hi, I'd like to come in here and get roaring drunk, please. Right. And they'd say, of course not. How dare you? That is illegal. Never darken my doorway again. Now you knock on that same door and you say, the black crow flies at midnight. Ah, welcome. Open the door. Second side doors. And there's a party. There's a champagne fountain. There's a dance floor. There's a band. Boom. Now, and here, does that sound like any fun to you? It sounds like something I would want to be a singer, songwriter, musician God. performing for these people in, right? Come on. It's still you know, like, no, come on. Like, Give me a code Let's have word. fun. Hide it. Hide Very, it. You know, once anything that is like something that you have to hide or be mysterious about, it becomes another level of fun. Maybe they made illegal booze. Maybe they ran a bar. Uh, wandered money created the modifications on a car that allowed you to hit it. maybe they were a corrupt cop taking a bribe maybe they got people guns maybe they who knows networks of criminality of course run deep and long and prohibition lasted for 14 years so that Pew, gives you a lot blowing. of time to establish deeply rooted 
uh, criminal Old activity. school networking. Old school networking, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. Then they repeal prohibition in 1933. It's great. It's great. But now it just means that all the people who are making money off of illegal booze are now just as unemployed as everyone else. And the Great Depression, it was global to an extent, but in the United States, boy, it was bad yeah so you've got people who are very good at being criminals who are suddenly out of work and now also compoundedly desperately broke desperately broke and that's a huge point here huge point here and you have um particularly the 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 anger is directed at the banks because as the average american looked at the great depression here's what happened i put my money in that bank and they kept it yes and now these gorgeous, fuckable men are d- kicking in the door, putting a gun in that asshole's face and saying, give me your money. Yeah. I want to be him. I want to fuck him. I want to help him. And generally speaking, the American people were like, finally. <laughs> give him the money. Add to that some technical stuff. Cars. Now, we've got, the cars got really good by 1933. We have, we're past sure. the Model T. We got the Model A. We've got windshields. We've got better gas. We got better roads. And the and World War I gave us guns, like really good guns that yeah. were, in particular, the Thompson, which was designed to aim in just a general direction. Like every, guns previously were like, I want to kill that guy. I want to kill that deer. I want to kill that. Mm-hmm. The, the Thompson was just, I want to kill all them guys. Everything over there is just in that get general direction. A blanket, a blanket of, of bullets. And the gun was comparatively inexpensive to us, but in the era of the depression, of course, pretty out of reach for not only most individuals, but also most police departments. <laughs> oh. the, the bad guys have the best guns and the cops, if they have a gun, it's, it's brr versus pew. Exactly. You know, not as great. Not as great. We have no federal law enforcement agency in June of 1933. What we have is called the BOI. The boy. The boy. <laughs> the boy. The boy. It is the Bureau of Investigation. If you rob a bank and get out of the state, it's like you went to Canada. There is no jurisdiction. Boom, gone. There is no agency. We that can't can, find the, you. The, we the can't cop, get you back. The Minnesota here. Ca- cops can't follow you into Wisconsin. Yep. They can't talk to each other. And and with the cars and the guns, we can now in 1933 get the hell and out of get the away. Now, some of the names that you've probably heard of in this era: Pretty Boy Floyd, George yeah. Machine Gun Kelly, yeah, Babyface Nelson, Bonnie and Clyde, the Barker Gang, and Ma Barker. Some of these names may ring a bell, especially Bonnie and Clyde. They yeah. that 1967 movie. With Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty. Of course. Girl, Bonnie wanted to be a gangster's girlfriend. Yes, Who of course. Doesn't? Clyde Barrow met her when she was babysitting. They, they've got some of her journals in which she literally writes, I'm bored out of my mind. Nothing happens. When am I going to have something happen to me? Well, girl. Um, some of the uh, gangsters I'm going to be talking about that are less well-known. Um, Homer Van Meter, Harry Piermont, Elvin Creepy Carpus. You're going to be hearing some of these names come along the way. What but great none of names. Them has, because guess what? We don't talk about them much. No. Why? Because there's a star here. There's a star. There's a, star. There's a Harry Styles. There's a, there's a Harry Styles, Styles in this band. There's, why do we just love Dillinger? Why John Dillinger? Why have all these names and all these things? Really, I'm showing my friend Kat a picture of yeah. him. Oh, yes. Look at I mean, come I mean, on. Come on. He's got that little crooked smile and that cleft chin. Mm. And he's looking at you like, I know, girl. And it's charismatic through 
a, a computer screen as we speak. And that picture that we're looking at, that is, if you if you Google a man right now, it's going to be probably the first picture you see. Absolutely. Any picture you see, you're going to go like, oh my panties, ping. Yes. Um, he is also charming. So and lots of accounts, including this book, which gives a lot of the official accounts, but even the like dramatized accounts, people who are eyewitnesses, he bounded over the counter of the bank with one arm. Oh, let's not forget the movie starring Johnny Depp, which is an oh. okay movie. Get some historical stuff good. Well, some done. I think that they cast Johnny Depp as John Dillinger was the smartest because it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And also the charming stuff of like one of the banks he robs, one of the customers in the bank kind of sheepishly offers sure. Dillinger his wallet. And Dillinger says, no, sir. I'm only here to take the bank's money. Oh, uh-huh. sexy. Mm. And they usually got away by getting bank employees to ride on the sideboards of the car, human shields, so that the police wouldn't shoot into the car. And Dillinger was always, quote, very Smart. nice to the ladies. Oh, of course. Very kind to them, make sure they were warm and all of that kind of stuff. He's also, let's not forget, good at his job. Right? He, he's a career criminal. Correct. Bonnie and Clyde, we remember for reasons other than how good they were at being gangsters. Dillinger, it is at least in part because he was... Good. Here's the stats. If, yeah. you, if you had the John Dillinger baseball card. 24 bank robberies, four police station robberies. He robbed police stations. How of course big he are did. your balls for that? Yeah. One murder. I think statistically, that seems fair. Yeah. He escaped from jail twice, and he also broke his friends out of jail. Now, you look at that face. You hear everything I just said. <laughs> There's some people... The more you know about them, the less you want to fuck them. You know what I mean? Like, there's some people who are like, oh, they're so fuckable. And then you're like, ugh, you know? Yeah. You spend five minutes on their Instagram and you're like, boring. Yeah, Not John Dillinger. The more you know, the lower the your panties. Your panties just get lower and lower. The lower your panties get. <laughs> this is the only thing that makes him very fuckable, very relatable. Everybody feels like they're him, yeah. right? Poor kid raised in the Midwest. He, kind of a bad kid, let's be honest. Always kind of, had, you know, pushing kids down, stealing bikes, just kind of being generally fucking. And his dad responded in the way that, I mean, all generations of dads have, you know, shut up. Yeah. Why don't you just work harder and quit crying? Right. Okay. Find a job. So he um, steals cars and he steals a car and he gets caught. And instead of facing his dad, he joins the Navy. Hmm. He does not like it at all. <laughs> Shoveling coal on a ship doesn't suit our friend John Gillinder. And he goes AWOL months later and is dishonorably discharged. <laughs> Very quickly. Shocking. He goes back to Indiana. <laughs> so, so sorry, dad. He marries a young girl. Uh, they're doing okay. He's kind of maybe, all right, I'm going to be a sell furniture and play baseball and be this gal's Be husband. a stand-up be man. Be a guy. But one of the guys he plays baseball with also loves robbing grocery stores. Weird. Says, hey, do you like robbing grocery stores? And he's like, yeah, totally. So they rob a grocery store. In the process, they hit this guy over the head with a wrench wrapped in a towel. And they're just going to rob him. And the gun falls and goes off. Buddy uh, gets in the car, the getaway car, and fucks off. Dillinger runs runs away. They get arrested, of course. And dude... um, pleads not guilty gets a lawyer oh, okay. and gets yes. like nine months or something uh-huh. dillinger's dad is like son you know do the right we thing. gotta do the right thing also i've talked to the lawyer it's hard to say exactly who we talked to or what they said but he's sure. like i talked to him and um i think you should confess like this is church and then we'll go back to life and dillinger trusts his dad and confesses and gets 10 to 20 years he's 21 years old that's a lot that's a lot this is what happens in prison. You get really good at being a bad guy in prison. That's yeah. Pretty much it. And he There's a lot of, of resources there Lots to like resources. learn how to be bad and learn stories of how other people were bad. There's a guy named Harry Pierpont who is 
also very handsome. Everyone, any account you read mm. about Harry Pierpont takes a moment to be like the handsome oh. or the piercing eyes. Okay. Of. So not for nothing. So there's a couple pictures. Pictures don't see him to do them justice. He kind of has like a David Bowie kind of thing. Oh, um, all right. Anyway, he and, and a couple of other criminals are have a plan on how to break out. They're, they want to break out of the Indiana State Prison. Okay. All and right. one of the things they need is someone who's about to get out. Interesting. And they're already buddies with this guy, John Dillinger, who's not a great bank robber. He's, he hit a grocer over the head with a wrench and dropped a gun. This yeah. is his skills. He is not contributing to your skill path. Very amateur level at sure. this point. But he's a very cool guy. Yeah. And so they're like, but he might get out because the whole city of Indiana, his home, hometown, wrote a petition to be like, please don't keep John Dillinger in jail for 10 to 20 years. Oh. He hit a guy with a wrench and dropped a gun. Yeah, you know. His dad feels awful. Please let him go. Sure. He went in when he was 21. comes out when he's 30. Keep my Dillinger. So Dillinger went to jail in 1924. Okay. Remember when I said the roaring 20s? Mm-hmm. Movies got sound in 1927. Okay. The stock market crash was 1929. Yes. He was in jail for all of that. Interesting. Okay. He gets out in 1933. The, the, the real heart, like the worst part of the Dust Bowl is a little later, but it is as bad as anywhere has ever been, certainly in America. Sure. And, and so he, what you just said is now he's very educated. Yeah. Like the College of Outlaws. Find me an alternative. You yeah. you you look around and find something else John Dillinger is going to do. Yeah. And also once again broke broke and desperate. And wants chip on his money. and also let's the justice, justice system screwed him. I doubt it was a lot of fun in prison yeah, I, I suspect right. that perhaps he wasn't you know so yeah and he sees angry the so we add anger let's not forget the government in general has let his family down his his hard-working non-criminal friends and family are not thriving it so is not something like, to prove so crime, and also maybe he wants to help him we did say he was empathetic maybe he wants to help his family and they say the crime doesn't pay it does though if no, nothing else is paying and it crime isn't actually <laughs> crime is actually paying so we we some of this we are assuming he didn't keep a detailed journal but we follow his trails what we do know is that he's paroled in may of 1933 and six weeks later he robs his first bank ten thousand dollars i'm surprised he waited six weeks i know i know he would, you know and <laughs> there he, you had go. Catch up. he was like movies have Hang on. like it took a minute but he gets ten thousand dollars and apparently a bunch of guns or he uses the money to get guns and he robs a couple of other banks Somehow, we do not know exactly how, but certainly this was all pre-planned before he was paroled. He gets these guns into the Indiana State Prison, into the hands. It, the, the, my understanding and the history is like it was through the laundry somehow. Very cinematic, okay. to your point. Of very course. cinematic. They get these guns in through the laundry. Harry Pierpont, Homer Van Meter, five guys escape. Thanks to John Dillinger, who followed the plan, robbed, Let's the, get bank, my buddies out. robbed the bank that they probably told him how and where and all that stuff. Got the guns. Got the thing. team. They break out. Oh, my God. They get out. They get out. They get out. They're like, John, John, you're a hero. Where are you, you John? It. And they get to John. And guess what? He's in jail in Lima, Ohio, because he robbed a couple of banks. <laughs> Couldn't stop. And he got, I mean, and he got uh, arrested, and, and he is put into Lima, Ohio. The gang goes, what, he's where? Not on our watch. They just got out of jail because of him. They dress oh up in nice suits. Oh, my goodness. They go to Lima, Ohio. They say, we're here from Indiana. We'd like to take John Dillinger back to Indiana. We're here to extract him back to Indiana. And the guy says, where's your authorization? Harry Pierpont pulls a gun and says, here's my authorization, and kills him. 
Like the movies. Like the movie. Opens the door and John Dillinger says, what took you so long, boys? <laughs> they get into a car and they get the hell out of Dodge. He's out. He gets out. <sighs> they help him now. <sighs> He's loyal to his friends. His friends are loyal for him. He actually is an interview. Very He's, warm. I stick to my friends. I know. It's so beautiful. So they, between um, October of 1933 and January of 1934, this gang robs eh, three to four banks. History can't always determine exactly who yeah. was there. Some of them moonlight and do other sure. jobs. One of their banks. I'll go by different names. Different too. Name, totally. $75,000 they get out of one of these banks. That's Anytime we talk about money, give or take, you multiply it by 10. So sure. we're talking $750,000 for yeah. one of these jobs. That was great. Um, and around this time, he meets and falls in love with a gal named Billy Frechette. Love of his life. He's with a handful of women. He's not exactly a womanizer. He's kind of a okay. serial monogamist. Okay. And Billy Frechette is easily the love of his life. I think any of the women he was with after would be like, oh, Billy, yeah. No. Billy's the one. Billy's the one. Um, there's romance in this story, there's you guys. Ro- there's, oh, God. There's so the romance. gang has now, they got a bunch of money and they'd like to lay low for a while. So they decide to go to Tucson, Arizona and just like chill out for a minute. All right. And they're laying low in this hotel. It's called the Hotel Congress. And um, there's a fire. They didn't start it. Nobody assumes they started anyway. There's a fire. Fire department comes and they've got a bunch of bags full of money and guns that the fire department unknowingly helps them rescue, like helps oh, get it out of the force of sure. danger. And they are so, so grateful for the fireman's help that they tip them handsomely. Oh. And are like, thanks guys. Really saved our ass. Again, being nice. A little later, the, the, the boy, uh, which is now <laughs> so becoming the FBI, uh, they come in and later interview the firefighters and they're like, did you see any of these guys? And they're like, absolutely. We remember them because they gave us a lot of money and we carried a lot of big bags for them. <laughs> they seemed so grateful and they were like, ah, interesting. Yeah. We think that's them. And so in the course of this, they find them and they arrest them and, uh, you know, sucks. And it's a thrill because he's already a celebrity, John Dillinger. People are already talking about him. This is all very, very exciting. And Indiana wants him back. He, he Indiana got those, and this will be his, happened in Illinois. <laughs> so they, there's a big fight over who gets jurisdiction because he's robbed banks in a couple of states and everybody wants to bring him to their state sure. to try him in their state. Indiana wins and they put him on a plane. 1930, three, four. He gets on a plane. He's never been on a plane before. They handcuff him and he oh says, as he gets in, they handcuff him. He goes, come on guys. I don't jump out of these things. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and the rest of the gang it stays in uh, Tucson where they, okay. where they were arrested and they're all held together. He apparently in the courtroom kisses Billy. Oh, like grabs her, like, don't worry, sweetheart. Gives her the t- newspapers right were all about that. And now the rest of the gang stays in Tucson. Okay, he is taken to Crown Point, Indiana. And this is, again, if you look up videos or, or um, uh, documentaries, you will find video and photos of this arraignment in the Crown Point, Indiana. So system. the media is all over it. Media's it's he's a darling at this point over it. It is flash bulbs. It is crowds of people. It is microphones in his face. He's a star. He's posing and he's smiling and he's winking. The sheriff of Crown Point is a woman named Sheriff Holly. She took the job from her husband who was murdered. (laughs) Well, there's a whole nother episode right there. (laughs) And so she's very proud, you know, because you can imagine old girl probably got a lot of shit. And she's like, oh, yeah, like Dillinger's in my prison. And and. The um, current county prosecutor, a guy named Robert Estel, is there, and some of the some of this stuff happens because the newspapers are calling out like it's the fucking Emmys, you know. Dillinger, put your arm around her, you know. Post smile over here, over here, over here. And at one point, Dillinger puts his arm like they're best friends over this guy Robert Estel, like l- drapes his his arm casually over the guy's shoulder, and they're both kind of smiling. And Dillinger has this crooked ass 
beautiful mm. smile. Yes. And he's and he's chewing gum. Oh. Oh. And he's saying things like, "I'm just a guy. I'm just a kid who was misunderstood. I just had a rough oh. upbringing. You know, I don't want to hurt. I don't take honest people's money. I only take the bank's money." And they and they put him in jail. Okay, that's in January 30th of 1934. Okay. February 5th, he gets a new lawyer, a guy named Piquette. Keep that in mind. We'll hear about him again. A new lawyer who is a criminal associate and who is down for whatever bad sh- shit his yes. clients want to do. You need a bribe. You need me to figure out a guy who needs, a, you know, your I connection to the outside. Yes, yeah, I, I represent it. you in court, but I'm also like your fixer. Okay, that was this guy. Yes. And on March 3rd, 1934, he has been in this jail for just about two months. Okay. It's a rainy day. Janitor comes in, clean up, opens up, you know, you can imagine, opens the cell block, goes in, closes it behind him, opens yes. the cell with all the prisoners. They all go out into another secure hallway. Somehow in all of this, John Dillinger jumps him, sticks a gun in his belly. This guy's name is Sam Cahoon. And another inmate. What a name. Herbert Youngblood. Oh, comes out he he doesn't have a gun he has a plunger but he's holding it real scary he's holding it very very aggressively (laughs) and dillinger says use what you got you know say i'm gonna you know gotta get his iron he gets another guard and he gets the guard locked up in a cell one of the guards and he has sam cahoon the janitor walk them over to where and he looks up this hallway and he sees there's like a bunch of guards in the warden and they're like having coffee so he goes call him call one of the guys blunk is his name let's call that guy over there so hey blunk you know, come over here. <laughs> so this guy, Blunk, who's a deputy sheriff, comes around the corner. Ah, Dillinger's got you. Ooh. So he throws Blunk in a cell, and he brings <gasps> Sam over to go get some more. And Sam, this janitor, 64 years old, I think, says to John Dillinger with a gun in his belly, no, I won't do it again. Wow. I know. It's like the movie. I know. He goes, I can't. I won't do it again. I won't help you anymore. And Dillinger says, well, I'm not a murderer, and I'm not going to... So he puts him in cell and he goes, Blunk, <laughs> you come do it. And he, the deputy sheriff, is like, okie doke. <laughs> Got it. So Blunk comes out and he's like, hey, Sam, hey, four guards and the warden, like fishing, get taken one at a time and locked into this cell. They get locked in the cell. Dillinger locks them in the cell, goes to the warden's office and steals two Thompson submachine guns, <laughs> gives one to old Herbie Youngblood. Then he takes the time to go to the cell where he's got them all locked up and he bangs the gun that he's been using on the bars and they hear it's made of wood. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, ah, you guys are so dumb. I whittled it. I did it all. I made it. I made it in the dentist. <laughs> oh my God. It was a fake gun, you boobs. Okay, and then Stop. he says to the warden, get this, which he shouldn't have done, because then he says to the warden, where's the keys to the cars? And the warden says they're in the cars. In oh. the garage, the keys are in the cars. So he gets a raincoat on, and him and Herbert Young will go to the car, get their guns on the guys. Who, there's a couple of guys, mechanics, you know, hanging around the cars. And, they go, and they're like, Give us, and they're like, we don't have the keys. The keys aren't here. We don't. Can you believe it? The warden lied. He lied? He lied. Oh, Dillinger. He so, lied? He's so mad. So he's going to get the fucking keys. And God, because you know, there's time is ticking. Yeah. In the meantime, okay, the warden, there's a lot to unpack here. And I got to tell you that your friend Don Brody tried really hard to get to the history of what I'm going to tell you next. And this is just to mention it. Read the book. You can figure it out. But here's what absolutely happened next. Through a secret peephole that the warden has that leads to a closet in his residence. So he gets like out of the cell, but is still like locked in the cell block. Got and it. There is apparently a peephole, some sort of peep. That's what it's described. Okay. That goes All to right. a closet in his private residence. And he puts his little puckery warden mouth up against the hole and he yells for his wife. Sweetheart. <laughs> and I'm sure she had to be like, why is there a hole? Is there a prison in our closet? But yeah, oh, they so. get to dealt with that later. He's like, sweetheart, sweetheart. <laughs> We're all trapped in a... No way. I swear to God. 
She goes, what? He goes, Dillinger's loose woman. Get it together. She ah, runs out of the house, opens the door, and sees a guy. And she's like, Dillinger's out. Dillinger's out. It's Dillinger. He sticks a gun in her face. He, in the meantime, has gathered a couple of other guys. He got a couple of National Guardsmen because he's been looking for the keys. <laughs> he came oh back in gosh. the meantime and looking for the keys. He took two more houses. So he takes the warden's wife <laughs> and a couple more houses <laughs> and he locks them in another room. I'm telling you. I'm not kidding. Like, and so he can't. It's so unreal. No, he can't. So now he's like, God, we got to get out of here. So they go, forget this place. We got to go. So they go across the street from the Crown Point Prison is another garage called the Main Street Garage. Dillinger goes in there. There's a guy working on a car. His name is Sager. And he's still got Blunk, by the way. Blunk is still sure. like his, because he's like his human navigation. Yeah, you know okay. I mean? like yeah, he doesn't know totally. the city. He's, he's the GPS. Point. He's like, which way is it the highway? You know, you need someone who can tell you. Yeah, so yeah. he's got Blunk. Blunk takes him across the and he says, you know, um, sticks a gun in the mechanic's face and says, I need the fastest car here. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, it's this V8 Ford right here, which happens to be Sheriff Holly's car. The lady sheriff. It's her I'm car. I'm telling you, this and is Dillinger, I insane. Swear to God. So Dillinger, okay, so here's what happens. We got Blunk and Sager, the mechanic, and the deputy sheriff that <laughs> that Dillinger's <laughs> been using as his little meat puppet. They're sitting in the front seat. Herbert, uh, Youngblood, and Dillinger get in the back seat, and they go out of crown point. Girl. Whoa. Was this a car? Was this her personal car? Yes. Sheriff Holly's, or was it a? It was Sheriff Holly's personal car. car. Oh my gosh! Okay, crazy. Isn't that great? This Amazing. poor gal. This poor gal. This poor gal. Can you imagine? She must have been like, I want him. I want his. How does that ball, I want his cock and balls as a <laughs> commemorative trophy on yeah. my desk. And you know, yeah, like, ugh, for reals. For real, wants though. him out. She wants He's got to go. Um, he immediately reunites with Billy Frechette, and they disappear. Oh. Their own okay. Bonnie and Clyde sort of story. And he is, overnight, the public enemy number one, the single most wanted again. Now, and here's another reason. In addition to being cool, you want to know what he did brag about for the rest of his career? A crown point escape. Um, incidentally, three days later, he robs a bank <laughs> in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Three days later. Like, if he hadn't already... Shocking. If he hadn't already sealed the deal for the people... Well, he needs more whatever, money. Oh yeah, he's and I think he's officially an addict of of robbing banks. He at likes. This point. He likes. He really lot. likes. Um, the boy, the boy is now the FBI. Oh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And one of the few ways that this federal law enforcement agency prior to this was able to work, the BOI, the boy, did not have the power to make arrests, and they could not carry firearms. They were a bureau of investigation. Mall cops. Their job. <laughs> Correct. They didn't know. They didn't even get tasers oh, and like a gosh. segue. Okay. They didn't get um, no segues. No segues. Their job was to oh, there's been a crime uh, committed in Minnesota, and the criminal has perhaps uh, gone to Wisconsin. What I can do is uh, follow that lead as a detective, and when I and get into Wisconsin, I have to talk with the local cops. Got it. And tell them who I'm after and what I want to do. I understand. And then their arrest warrants and their guns and me will go and apprehend the criminal. And among the many problems with that is that a lot of local cops were corrupt. Kidnapping had been deemed a federal crime that the BOI and the federal bureau could pursue because of the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. In 1932, they instituted the Lindbergh law, which meant if you kidnap someone and take them across state lines, it's a federal case. Got it. They erroneously, certainly illegally, suggested that because John Dillinger put Blunk and Sager in a car and oh. drove into another state, that that was kidnapping and meant it was under the FBI's jurisdiction. Ooh. Even though it's not, he never wanted a ransom for those guys. Right. They were not whatever. That was it, not the it intention. didn't technically fit. That was their umbrella to be like, yes, this is our, because he is on the cover 
on the front page of every major publication in the country. He is Hot public. story. He is every state wants him. And if this brand new BOI with their brand new badges and their brand new guns can't take Dillinger, then what good are they? It's like their, their audition. So Hoover gets yeah. a hard on for Dillinger. Of course. Let's get him. Let's be a hero. And, let's put it to bed. Oh right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And off we go. You know, a lot of these gangsters and their girlfriends are spending a lot of time just driving around seeing America and ha- having yeah. these endorphin and adrenaline rushes. Poetry. 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 So now they're like, okay, we're going back to Chicago. And they go to, and, and, and Billy and Dillinger are like, we're going to, I'm going to get plastic surgery. We're going to get real married and we're going to move away and we're going to have a real simple life. And, 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 and to That's get always that. the want. Always Let's get out want. of it. You talked about cinematic Let's girl. get out of it. Let's have a life. Let's, have a Let's life. do this. They have a connection Let's in Chicago in at this tavern and he's going to get them a place where they can like lay low for a while and he's going to get suited up. And so Billy goes into the tavern to talk to the guy and she gets arrested. Mm. Because Melvin Purvis was sitting at the bar. They were staking out the place. Somebody sold him out. Dillinger is in the car outside. He's devastated. In fact, one of the police stations he robs is right after this to get bulletproof vests because he has this idea that he's going to like break her out and rescue yeah, her. Yeah, of course. So Dillinger is sad as hell and really wants to rescue her and can't. And so the whole gang is like, hey, guys, why don't we go take another break? We're going to go north to northern Wisconsin. Oh, little great. Bohemia, little Bohemia, Wisconsin, which is near Manaqua. Manaqua. And Rhinelander. Oh, and I Manitowish, know And Manitowish Waters. Ah. Uh-huh. Have you ever been up there? Kate? I have. Beautiful. I'm, I'm going to be there very soon on tour. No, I'm going to give us a little break. I'm taking a little break right now. Okay? We just had crazy shootout from Crown Point. Yeah. Billy, Billy's in our resident. Yeah. He's finally single. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of great. <laughs> right? um, and I want I want to give you a beer. I will return in a moment. fun right (laughs) now a reminder that you can go anytime to our instagram page to see photos of the people and places we're talking about you can also find links to my guests and any specific locations or sources that i reference and while you're there go ahead and rate review and Now, when last we met, okay, our gang, including a sad, single John Dillinger, are going to head up to northern Wisconsin and just lay low for a hot minute. And may I just, like, just maybe for our listeners, also for me. Yes, please. Since I'm I'm gaining a lot of this in real time as well. We are talking about a very short span of time. You've explained so many bank robberies mm-hmm. and so much traveling. We're talking about months, right? Days, Days, sometimes. months. We're talking days not, and weeks. I not will, years, as, as it sounds like. You can kind of glance. I have a timeline here because I had yeah. the exact same thought. Right? Why I said at the beginning, like, this whole thing is like 20 months, at least when it, in the case of Dillinger. It's Which like is just cr- crazy short. Crazy. Really. Just for the amount of things years. that happen. I mean, it, it, it is. It is so It is so so fast. So it, to be fair, they got to take a break. Yeah. You got to understand why they're like, guys, we got, we have, we're all exhausted. We're heartbroken. So go, exhausted. And this is also, now this is April. And you and I have lived in the northern Midwest for a while. Yeah. April is called winter. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and for when sure I say winter in the north. is that it is cold and it's there is cold. still a lot of snow. Yeah. Dillinger is a hot, hot item. The FBI has started sending a pretty clear message to accomplices 
that you're in danger, st- which stop which is this guy. deliberately in, in, intended to dissolve the network of support that they're exploiting so that anyone who's been giving you a safe house or taking care of your injuries or is going to be like, sorry, man. We can't they, do it. We're going to get in trouble. They're coming after you and they're coming after you so hard that it's fine tooth comb and fine tooth combs picked me up. And even within the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover is very like, by the book and he wants everyone to you know no one no one stands out no one sets themselves apart he doesn't want any decoration on your desk they all dress the same they're all white men within the same age yeah. he pretty much went to the same colleges he doesn't even like them to be married yeah you know what i mean like he's got this really and melvin purvis is the head of this dillinger unit and is starting to give like interviews and talking to newspapers and hoover's starting to get like oh you know and uh, so there's there's trouble is a Bruin. There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather. Maybe even four, five, six weeks ago, they could have been like, Dillinger's going to come stay here. And the bartender was like, great, how fun. We'll have a great time. But now they're like, no. So when Homer Van Meter goes up to Little Bohemia, he's like, you know, we got some guys. And like, okay. And all of a sudden, here comes Dillinger. And they're like, <gasps> the wife of the owner does not love this. She, and she knows they're watching and they're listening to the phones and she doesn't know quite how to do it. So she slips a note in her brother's cigarettes. Again, like a movie. Come on. Like a movie. She slips a note in her, in her brother, you know, she's like, hey, you know, get it, and I borrow your cigarettes, and she slides a note that is like, to the innocence, Dillinger's here, get the FBI. And they are so desperate to get Dillinger, and they look like such a bunch of idiots. <laughs> they have right. been effing up with these guns. They've been, you know, just dropping leads, letting people go, misinterpreting information, following around. I mean, they are just, it's a, bungling mess so they get this lead quickly that dillinger is up here in this little resort in little bohemia wisconsin and hoover and purvis are like get every available agent like run out of there. get everybody everybody and get, get him. and get on the plane and go right now to they get on a plane i mean i still small town they midwest plane and they fly into you know rhinelander and they get in their cars these three or four cars and they start to race their asses to this resort town to get dillinger April, cold car breaks down. They end up having to hop. So now we've got <laughs> agents who are riding on the sideboards of cars because uh, too many cars broke down huh. and they're th- find themselves now thundering down this dirt road and they pull up and the dogs start barking outside of this resort. And they're, oh, it's Dillinger. It's fine. It's Dillinger. It's We're fine. Well, you know, there's five men in there. There's five men in there. Five men in there. There are Dillinger gang, five men. And there's four men. And, and you know, and they're talking. Yeah. And then, they get to the thing and the door opens and a, a, like four or five guys walk out. Four or five men walk, walk Ooh, out. They're weird. Like, oh. And they get into a car and they, they yell, stop, halt, police. And they get in the guys get in the car and they start the car and the, and the radio comes on in the car and they're yelling, stop federal agents. And then one of the agents says, let them have it. And so they open fire on this car. Ooh. And in the car, of course, are three innocent men who had been having a blast. Of course. In Little Bohemia. And the reason they kind of saw four or five guys come out is because they were friends of the owners and the bartenders and they were walking their friends out. Good night. Have a great night. And they are yelling, stop, stop. There are customers. But the dogs are barking and the engines are loud and the radio is on. And these guys in fucking Manitowish waters have no reason to think. It's not like we, we don't have, what? There's like One guy tumbles out dead. The other two oh. are injured. They survive, but they're <laughs> shot. <laughs> Okay, because as they're writing, I'm saying the F- they never were like, "What's the plan?" Right? They just wanted to get it. They went racing. In addition there, to nobody thinking. knows how to shoot a gun. 
They've had their guns. They've only been able, allowed to carry guns for weeks. They have not had training. They have not had courses. These are not ex-military. These are college boys. These are college lawyer, investigators. investigators. These are not military. These are not cops. They have now got these high-powered military weapons. They have no way. They're afraid to use them. We do not have yet Miranda rights, and you must give them a chance to surrender. I mean, these are executions. And incidentally, exactly why we didn't give federal law enforcement agents guns for the first 133 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, interesting. On, like, no, we're, you're not allowed to just shoot citizens because we you can't just do it. So do it's it. Mess, and they feel bad immediately. In addition to all the fuck up, in addition to shooting innocent people, killing one, is that um, they also didn't do the police work of like surrounding the building checking all the exits oh right knowing who was there's there. a back so door <laughs> here's what happened a dude goes to the back and and sees dillinger or somebody who looks like a, a guy looking out the second story window like he's gonna jump and he fires a shot up there and the guy goes ducks back behind the window so he then runs around to the front and it's like they're definitely in there so they're they're not in the car spoiler <laughs> the guys spoiler we just shot alert. that wasn't them that wasn't them. in the the building i just saw one of them because for whatever reason he thought that once he fired on dillinger and he ducked that he wasn't going to come out again. Oh. But what happened was he was, he tromps to the front of the building to tell everyone what's going on, and they just jumped out the window and <laughs> ran into the woods. So within a couple of minutes, again, all smart. of the Dillinger gang is gone. They've gotten out of the house, and they have run away. For hours, Kat, hours and hours and hours, with these dead, innocent man and these people in the hospital, they sat outside that resort town trying to figure out how to get in there and get oh these gangsters God. out of there. Oh and they are yelling and they're they're trying to get smoke bombs inside and they can't quite get the smoke. They finally get a smoke bomb inside and the women come out because they were Great. and they were like, they're gone. <laughs> but they've been gone. For and they've time. done been gone. Here's what here's what Purvis and the FBI agents have to go home and tell the boss. OK. How many of the gang, how many of the gang were killed or captured? <laughs> Exactly, exactly, exactly none. How many agents are dead? Uh, four. How many four. innocent people? One. Like, oh my God, one. it is innocent people and agents are the only ones who die again. And they had a joke. Apparently going around the FBI, like, like Purvis may not get his man, but he always gets the man's woman. Oh my God. Because, mm. Okay, so the guys Love are it. now like, okay, we got to go. And oh, there's another crazy cinematic moment. Dillinger, Van Meter, and Hamilton get into this crazy gunfight in South St. Paul. Oh. Very near where, where I used to live on the river. I used to live in a houseboat on the Mississippi River in St. Paul. It was very near the river. So a lot of this landscape of this gunfight, I mean, like yes. whipping around corners and shooting out the window. I mean, incredible. Again, buy this book by Brian Burrow and read all about it and you will have vivid dreams of these beautiful things. But Love in the meantime, it. their buddy Hamilton. Hamilton is one of the guys they that Dillinger broke out of the prison the first time around. Okay, like this sure. guy's been around. He gets shot in the lower back and he dies slow. Ooh. Ooh. He dies slow over the course of several days. Takes one for the team. Between the in the back of the car and they get another doctor to kind of try to help out. But the doctors the only doctors who will help the gang of course, are also criminals. They are either sure. illegal abortions and they are morphine addicts or whatever. They've had their own, like, they were incarcerated and that's how they're in this realm. So the doctors are another they're interesting... gangsters in a whole other way. Totally. Yeah. So John Red Hamilton dies and, and, and bad, and the guys watch him die in a way that they're a little afraid they're going to die. That's so, yeah. so now Dillinger doesn't have his woman. His 
he's too famous and everything's going wrong and he's watching people around him. His friends are, are dying. Are starting to drop. His comrades are dying. He's on the headline of every paper. In fact, the, the Time magazine has on their headline like a board game of like Dillinger's route. Like where is Dillinger wow. going? He realizes he wants plastic surgery, gets some in Chicago. He gets his, his cleft chin filled in. He gets some moles removed. He gets his eyes changed and he gets real confident and starts heading out to Chicago seeing the city and trying to kind of live this life that he knows Whoa. is kind of ticking by and in a in crazy, the 30s thank you and in a crazy act of what i don't know if it's poetry or tragedy um homer van meter has a tattoo that says hope on his arm and he gets it erased Ooh. Whoa. Okay. That's the best. That's Especially the as best. two he tattooed women right here. Hope tattoo Whoa. erased. What a bad idea. That's, That's why you don't change idea. the name of a boat. No. You don't, don't get do your it. hope tattoo erased. Don't do hope. it. <laughs> this is apparently when John Dillinger meets a gal named Polly Hamilton, who eh, they say she's a prostitute. Eh, historians are kind of, you know, there's a that was a fairly a woman blanket from the term. Movies. She may have been. And God bless her if she was. But who knows how we met her? She was a singer, she was around. She lives in a house with a gal named Anna Sage, who is a Romanian immigrant who is very afraid she's about to be deported. She's been sure. trying so hard to not get deported. She has a son. She has a son. She runs a bunch of businesses. She's doing fairly well. And she just really doesn't want to be you know, deported. Yeah. They're friends. He apparently, after dinner, as he used to do with Billy Frechette, puts on an apron and helps clean dishes. They play cards every night. It's oh. kind of Anna Sage, Polly Hamilton, and... Jimmy Lawrence slash Don Dillinger and his son just having a Jimmy kind of Lawrence. Time. They're going to the World's <laughs> Fair. They're going to Cubs games. They're going nightclubs. They're going dancing. He is, Dillinger is, for whatever reason, again, we can never know exactly why, he's living life to whatever fullest he can. Also, Maybe, I, I would love to know where he got his aliases. Like, that's a great one. It Jimmy is. Lawrence. I, was, I, was, I had to triple check it because I really wanted it to be Johnny Lawrence because <gasps> that's the bad guy in Karate Kid. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Johnny Lawrence. Maybe that's where they get And it's Jimmy no. Lawrence. In any event. Close. So uh, Anna Sage and, and Melvin Pur- Purvis is like, doesn't promise her that he, he will keep her from being deported, but he, he says, I'll do everything I can, which yeah. is enough for her. It's all she's got. Yeah. She says, oh, no, she goes, if he is, and I'm pretty sure he is, he's going to be watching us like, oh, like I'm going to have to be very, 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 very careful. Yeah. And so, but I will tell you what I can when I can. On July 22nd, 1934, they're hanging out. John Dillinger says, I think we should all go to a movie tonight. He loved going to the movies. He went all the time. And, uh, He's not sure. They're, they can't decide if they're going to go to the Marlboro Theater in downtown Chicago or the Biograph Theater. He's not sure. Got they're it. still deciding. Anna Sage at one point makes up by like, oh, gosh, darn it. I need some eggs. And she goes out. So she goes out. She calls Melvin Purvis and she says, we're going to a movie tonight. But I don't know if it's going to be the Marlboro Theater or the Biograph Theater. Got it. I will try to tell you if I can, but it's going to be one of those two. And I'm going to wear this bright orange dress, this orange color dress so that you know oh it's me. So that if you can't see him, because I don't know you're saying, you don't know if it's him or whatever. Also, no, he has been laying low, not committing crimes. Like he, he's right. He's like living life he, at this moment. He's living life. at the, He plans Having on it. Fun. He did say he, he's kind of planning a train robbery, oh, which is so oh. vintage. But yeah, he's, again, he wants, has not. But he's wants uh, the criminal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Needs the money. Whatever. He needs the money. Who doesn't? Uh, exactly. So the agents then crowd around between the Marlboro and the Biograph Theater. There's a ton of agents. And he goes in to the Biograph Theater with Polly Hamilton on one arm and Anna Sage on the other for the 830 showing of the Manhattan melodrama. Ladies, man. Starring Clark Gable as a cleft chin, little mustachioed criminal element. And at this point, the agents are like, get all the Marlboro guys at car here. He's here. He's here. He's here. And they are fluffing and clucking and fluttering around this theater with their asses up. To the point where <laughs> the ticket t- 
takers at the theater are like, what? These guys are going to rob the theater. They're like, there is just a right. bunch of weird guys right. that are watching this every entrance good. and they're looking at each other. So they call the cops. They call the cops. So they call the Chicago call the police who are still among the, bless them. I cast no with some, a little corrupt, yeah. probably, yeah, yeah, arguably, yeah. definitely among Maybe. the most corrupt police forces. So the, so the Chicago police come to address a report of weirdos hanging out around the movie theater, at which point the FBI is like, get higher. <laughs> the FBI. Get I, we promise we're the FBI. I don't want to say it's Dillinger because who knows? So they're just like, we're the FBI. Get higher. Lay low. Yeah. I strongly encourage you to watch the Manhattan melodrama. All right. I can't wait. It's really good. The basic plot line is Guy Blackie is the handsome dice throwing Ooh. casino. Yes. Yeah. Cigarette smoking. Fantastic. Sexy. Yeah. And he's got his best friend. They were both orphans together. Their mother died young. Sound oh. familiar, Dillinger? Yeah. Weird. His best friend is a good guy. Studying. Sticks to the books. Okay. Never steals. Honest okay. Abe. Honest, honest, honest. Mm-hmm. They live in the same town. They grow. And he's running the casinos and he's running for head prosecutor but they're still best friends and they still are utterly loyal and they totally love each other and right this dynamic between the two and ultimately spoiler alert he's sold out by his good friend and he's executed and on his way to the execution block his best friend has second thoughts he's governor now and could pardon him and says never mind blackie i have to do the right thing i'll pardon you i'll do it and blackie says no stops him and says, I don't want to spend my life in prison. You're not pardoning me. You'd be commuting the sentence, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life in jail. If I can't die the way I want, let me choose when I want. Mm, interesting. And he goes off to, just interesting, again, mm-hmm. through the eyes of a guy who, yeah. who looks just like him and is in, utterly responsible for this movie being on the screen. The movie's over. Credits roll. Dillinger stands up, Polly on one arm, Anna, Anna on the other. And they walk out onto the streets of Chicago under the lights of the Biograph Theater. There's crowds of people. And Dillinger starts to walk down the street. And he does start to look a bit around. Couple it's feet too away. Epic. It's, too it's too epic. A couple feet away. He does catch eyes. And he may or may not have noticed a slight shaking hand of a man oh. lighting a cigar. God. The man lighting the cigar was Melvin Purvis. Hmm. And it was his sign to the agent that he had seen him and he could identify him. When I light my we, cigar. Eh, we ain't going to shoot in any more cars, am I right? Till we know it's we're God, not we going to kill any more innocent people. we got to figure out a way to know who we're killing. So let me light a cigar to tell so he, you. But there's people all over the place. And apparently many of the people watching for the thing, it was like, well, well there was a gal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah, see oh, his cigar is lit. I guess he lit it. Is that him? I mean, by then think, it's too late. Think he did it? I don't know. Dillinger pushes the two women away. Okay. A, a chivalrous Again, act to the last. Romantic. And he chivalrous. turns and he runs, runs, runs into an, starts to head down an alley and they all open fire. What we know is that um, not all of them fired. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of agents said like, oh yeah, for And they look at their guns and the history and they're like, nah. Three of the guys fired. This guy, an agent hurt. Agent Winstead and Agent Hollis all fired their guns. Hurt fired twice. Winstead fired three times. Hollis fired once. So that means that they had uh, six shots all together. Okay. Four hit him. Okay. I don't know who hit him. All right. One spun him. One hit him in the back of the head. Through the back of his neck. So we don't know who this actual hero is that brings him down. No. And the FBI was very adamant. They didn't want there to be... Oh. You know, the FBI okay. is the, okay. we're all one. All right. we're, the, we're a team. Yeah. We did it. Resistance is futile. Got it. Um, 
people go that's Dillinger. Word starts to spread. It's Dillinger, it's Dillinger, it's Dillinger. They say he had a 35 on him. The gal said he didn't have a gun. They said he was turning to get a gun. Who knows? But it was certainly, in fact, a little side note to this history. Mm-hmm. This is 1934. That means that we have not yet entered World War II, but uh, things are cooking over there in sure. Europe. And uh, the Nazis are in power in, in Germany. And people yeah. are starting to say things like, boy, these Nazis are bad news. Yeah. They are fascists and they mm-hmm. are doing. And one of the things that the Nazis did in their propaganda uh, was to turn around whatever they were accused of doing and point out that it was being done by their accusers. Got it. The Nazi headlines after Dillinger was shot was, doesn't this sound a little fascist to you? Hmm. Doesn't it sound a bit like an execution? Hmm. These these roving military, just shooting people in the back of, their, of the head with no trial. How dare you tell us how to run our country? Yeah. yeah for whatever that's worth. Um, and this is Purvis's redemption, right? Purvis sure. has got Dillinger. Dillinger is dead. I got he, him. Headlights it's me. So he's the star. You want to know who's the star? We don't know who shot him. It's, no, Purvis didn't fire a shot. What Purvis. we know is that Purvis is the hero. Purvis did it. Purvis is... He is the star. And it was that me. Is why, and Hoover, I did it. And if Hoover didn't hate his guts by far, oh, Hoover hated the fact that he was a star. Hated it. Mm. And he was relegated to low, lower levels. Like the public loved him. Hoover and the FBI kept putting him down lower and yeah. lower. Promoted this other guy higher and higher. Oh, interesting. Now, if you watch the movie Public Enemy starring Johnny Depp. Yeah. Public Enemy. I was going to ask you what that was. Which one? It's Public Enemy. Public Enemy. Yeah. Uh, This moment, of course. There's a few of the cinematic moments that they do really, really well described in the book. And they rearrange the order a little bit. And different people are there. It doesn't matter. This, of course, they do. The Biograph Theater. When Dillinger was shot. Many, many people already know this history. um, And they they do it really beautifully. The only thing that they screw up that I feel bad about is that they in the movie suggests that all the gang members had died already oh, sure. and that Dillinger was the last alive and implying as he watched the Manhattan melodrama that he was riddled with guilt because that all of his buddies, all of his gangster friends died. And yeah. And but just, and me and what was it all for? Sure. And am I a good guy or am I a bad guy? And all these people died kind of on my behalf. Beautiful yeah. cinematic moment. No, not true. The only people who really died before Dillinger is buddy Hamilton who we watched. And that was a bummer. And Bonnie and Clyde, who we never met and had no association with, but they had been gunned down in a bloody ambush. Got it. Two months before this. But otherwise, it's like a house of cards. The bungling, ridiculous badness of the boy and then the early FBI is so so mind-numbingly, embarrassingly awful. However, all these folks are dead or in jail two years later. I mean, the, the whole thing I started with, which is this it begins and ends in, yeah. in 24 months, really the bottom line is once them guys got guns, when they yeah. got the guns that were as big and as bad as the guns the criminals had, and once yeah. they had the arrest warrants and they lost all their scruples and stopped following the Constitution <laughs> and stopped right. following our civil laws, yeah, sure. It was very, very easy for them to just arrest. I mean, they would do things like these women would get arrested the, and they'd say nothing most of the time. And they'd go to some women's prison for a couple of years. And they arranged for when, when one of the women, Vimathias, was being paroled, that she would be paroled at a time of day when there were no taxis, no trains, no public transportation in the middle of the night. No one could get her so that they could literally scoop her up right after she walked out of the prison and keep her, kidnap her basically in a dark undisclosed location and interrogate her in a way they could not have interrogated her when she was in prison. So the FBI, bad. Homer Van Meter gets gunned down in St. Paul within spitting distance of the state capitol. He goes back. He's like, Dillinger's dead. This is all going to fall apart. So he goes to St. Paul, try to get some money from a guy. 
the guy who he's trying to get, who owes him money, who's money he's been holding for him. And he's yeah. like, I need the money because I got to get out of here. And the guy's right. like, you got it. I totally have your money. I can't wait to give it to you. What I think you should do, I don't have it on me. <laughs> Come on. I got I got <laughs> So what you should do is go get a car, go buy yourself a car, and then come back here. And by the time you get back here. I'll have it. Homer Van Meter, bless him, had his hope erased. Says, sounds great. hope erased. He goes to get his car. In don't the meantime, erase it. Dude calls the chief of police, mm. who is as stanky as they come, Tom Brown. And he says, hey, Tom Brown, you know how like the FBI is getting like good at their job? And they're coming after everybody who helps the bad guys? And you are in big trouble? What would help you not be in big trouble with the FBI and what would help me keep all this money I have <laughs> from Homer Van Meter is if you go shoot him right now. He's buying a car within spitting distance of, of the Capitol. Yeah. And not only does Tom Brown, Tom Brown go and facilitate the execution, another shot in the back execution uh-huh. of our friend Homer Van Meter, but the newspapers then are like, you know, local St. Paul Sheriff Tom Brown shot Homer Van Meter in the back. And now all the rest of the gang is like, oh, shit, our cops are no longer going to help us. So it just all. By, and then you've got the doctors who are going to jail and you've got the women, the girlfriends yes. who are going to jail and the guy. And they just sweep up and they get everybody. And most of them go to Alcatraz. And it's like a family reunion. George Machine Gun Kelly goes to Alcatraz. Now, there's, there's one guy that I haven't spent much time talking about. And I just mentioned him now because his name is Alvin Creepy Carpus. He spent a lot of time in St. Paul. He was a member of the Barker gang. Ma okay. Barker, the Barker boys, not her Bob sons. Barker. Not Bob. As far as I know, there's no relation. If there <laughs> is, somebody tell me. <laughs> Doc Barker was apparently kind of neutered. Um, and, uh, and he helped the big kidnappings. The Barkers were not bank robbers. They were kidnappers. They kidnapped the ham brewery heir and the Bremer sure. bank heir. And they Got it. did pretty well. And Alvin Carpus was part of their gang. This guy eventually gets arrested, sent to Alcatraz, and is paroled in 1971. Whoa. He goes to Spain. He sells his story. He gets a gazillion girlfriends and dies in bed with four women (laughs) in the 70s after giving us a lot of the fuckable... I mean, talk about... Talk about fuckable. Talk about fuckable. what? And then, and the That's, FBI. Of it's course, too good. It's too good of an ending. Too, it's, it's too. You can't write. I mean, you know, it's uh, just too good. It's just too good. And and it is an ending, right? Because the FBI uh, got to be the FBI because all of, of, the all of this. Done, and then we never had any more crime. And the FBI never screwed up ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. That, my friends, again, is the history of John Dillinger, the 1930s. 20 months, a very short time. It's like these epic musicians that we know that have a three-year career, but it sounds like they've been forever, like ever successful, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the coolest things about the story. It just it is a very short span of time. And it's and like culture. All of that it's like the culture calls out. Like every once in a while, I feel like, especially in like Western American culture, because we kind of created cool, you know, and like perpetuate these sense film and media and yeah. like global. That there's just been moments where between the cars and the guns and the history and the economics and the fashion, it was like yeah, it's packed into one and and absolutely time stopping. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it, it is. It's definitely history we'd like to fuck, for sure. Well, it was a lot of fun fucking it with you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 
And I can, I, I can sleep really good at, at night now, knowing oh. all of this story about cute John Dillinger. Oh, he's so Adorable. Cute. He's hot, so dead, but he's Charismatic. So cute. He's so dead. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend, too, if you live in a small town, you know, especially in the Midwest. Yeah. Look for bullet holes, girl. Look for the bullet holes. Look for bullet holes. You never know. Well, my friend, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of History. I'd like to thank fuck you. Fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, and this has been my guest, Kat Perkins. You're the best. You're the best. See you next time. <laughs> oh, she really is the best. And so are you for listening along. A special thank you again to Kat and her musical partner, Eric Warner, who is also on our theme music. And I'd also like to thank the Wabasha Street Caves in St. Paul, Minnesota, the historical event location where I had the joy of playing a gangster mall and where I first flirted with this history. Uh, if you are ever in the Twin Cities, it is a location you do not want to miss. We'll be back in two weeks when I sit down with the hilarious Miley Flanagan. She is the voice of Naruto as well as many other bitchin' animated characters. She assigned me the jaw-droppingly hilfy D.B. Cooper. Oh, he was the famed skyjacker who parachuted away with a ransom never to be heard from again. Oh, it's an incredible story. And the episode will air on the 50th anniversary of his mysterious disappearance. Mm, you don't want to miss it. Until next time, this has been History I'd Like to Fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, and I'll see you next time. Oh, there's something very exciting I want to tell you. What? My guest, Kat Perkins, also has made my theme song. Oh my God. And we haven't made it officially yet. Like we're figuring it out, but can you yeah. give my listeners a sneak peek into, into your, your vocal essence of like yes. what it's going to be? I know it's late. It's 11. Yes. I'm giving her a beer. Go ahead. No, it's fine. Uh, because I, I think, I think I've got it. This took me a, a few hours on the road uh, mm. as a musician and behind the, the windshield and I was listening to different podcasts and here's what I've come up with. I think it kind of goes like this. <clears throat> History, I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, I just love it. I can't wait. Follow me down the rabbit hole. History, I'd like to frankly